So a week ago, Twitter became flooded with screenshots of a tool called ChatGTP, um, which is basically a prototype of an artificial intelligence chatbot. So basically what you can do is you can talk to the chatbot and it just writes back. So it's just like a two-way conversation uh, with Google in a way. And the crazy thing is that it works really well because you had these things even before, but this one is working really well and that's why people are sharing it and people started asking really interesting things um so they asked hey can you write me a social media post instead of me hey can you do this work for me or can you give me some dating advice um and so on like investment advice um like anything you can think of they tried some people found certain like constraints but uh it was really interesting to go through it so what i asked this chatbot to do is to help and write the intro for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) do you want to hear it yeah okay it's like three sentences long so bear with me welcome to the dmba podcast i'm your host alan and today we're discussing ai and its potential impact on business models and design community as designers it's important for us to stay informed about the latest developments in technology and how they may affect our industry So in this episode, we'll be discussing how AI is already transforming various industries and what we can expect in the future. So let's dive into the world of AI and business. Awesome. (laughs) Great job, AI. It's pretty good. (laughs) Actually, this is the third version because first it was a little bit longer and then I asked it. um, Yeah, I'm still kind of referring to him sometimes. (laughs) So I asked it, hey, can you make it shorter? And that's the second version. And then I ask it, can you make it a little bit more funny? And then it was not funny. So that's the kind of the second version that um, that I'm going to go with. So by the way, who is with us? Who is with me today? <laughs> I'm Franz, <laughs> as in many episodes of the DMBA podcast. Exactly. No video for today. We are recording this live in person for the first time, right? Yeah. First time live episode. First time in person. So let's see if it feels any different for also for you. Um Speaking of funny things with chatbot, so I did ask chatbot to tell me a few jokes. Do you want to hear them? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I first just asked it, hey, tell me a joke. And it was like, why was the math book sad? Because it had too many problems. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then, hey, can you tell me a joke about designers? So why did designers cross the road? To get to the other side, but then they changed their mind halfway and went back. <laughs> okay, that's, it's a bit offensive. Close to home, but <laughs> I like it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I think last week when I saw those uh, tweets uh, rising up and when I even tested it myself, I felt like we were starting to get into the tipping point of AI actually being like widely adopted, like mainstream. Um, so... Let's chat about you know what it means for for us in the design community, but also in the business community. Uh, but maybe first, let's kick it off with what is AI and chatbot. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with uh, the fact that this chatbot AI put this topic on the table for all of us. Um, so as soon as you have a like a concrete. Um, way of using something which is everybody writes stuff every day several times a day you think about okay how can i use this this is so useful i can 
I don't know, write cover letters. I can write copy for social media. I can write so many things. Um, so you start thinking about it and I started researching for this podcast and I asked myself, I mean, yes, this is now one application, but what is AI in general? And because I couldn't get my head around it to get a, let's say, foundational um, foundational definition. So what I got is um, AI is algorithms that compile and analyze data to act upon them, making independent decisions. And this, did you Google this or did you ask AI about this definition? Uh, <laughs> that's from a podcast, actually. So, <laughs> Can you say it again? Um, algorithms that compile and analyze data to act upon them, making independent decisions. Okay. Convoluted, but okay. Okay. I get it. So, um, I mean, the result of it is computer systems that do tasks that usually require human intelligence. Mm. And that's the, let's say line that AI apparently needs to cross that it's actually intelligent that it can do stuff that usually requires um, human intelligence and for me what was also interesting is to understand the difference to let's say regular software because I mean as you said you already had I don't know auto correct or you already had auto um, uh, let's say auto completion of certain sentences so where is the line where software gets intelligent and where is the line that software is actually just software? Um, and that was interesting for me um, because the difference is that before um, cognitive tasks were actually done by human and software was programmed to fulfill the task. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the core, right? You had to know the problem exactly. You had to know the solution exactly. And then you had to write code that would combine both and software would just do the task that you already perfectly understood and perfectly explained. And that was already powerful, right? Yeah. Um, but and now you had to, you had to have very structural, structured thinking to, you know, you had to break down your problem into pieces and very well define like the boundaries of this problem. And only then exactly would code help you. Problem and solution, right? And now instead of writing code, that exactly explains like what to do. Uh, we provide information so the computer can take decisions and solve the task. And the interesting thing here is that we don't even have to know how to explain something. Mm -hmm. And we as de designers, we know exactly what tacit knowledge means, right? Knowledge that is just, we know it, like we know how to ride a bike, but nobody could explain you how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. tacit knowledge. And for example... Um, and that's exactly what, for example, image recognition does. I can explain to you how my, I don't know, dog looks, mm. but I couldn't create the system for a software. I mean, I can't write software in any case, but apart from this, let's say yeah. I could write software. I couldn't write the software that explains exactly how a dog looks, right? So hair color, how far apart are the eyes? How big are the ears? So all of this you would have to know in order for a software to detect or to recognize dog breeds. Mm -hmm. But now artificial intelligence means that you just feed tagged images and the software learns and then makes own decisions that are not based on rules that you've provided them. So yeah, that's that was super interesting for me to just understand what it actually means and how it's different from traditional traditional coding and traditional software that was already powerful. Have you heard of the 
Turing test? Nope. It's it's a test where basically you test an AI with a human, and if the human and like recognize the AI, then the AI failed the test. But if it's um, in order to pass the test, you need to think it's human. So AI does something, and then a human gets asked whether it's done by AI or not. Or a human, and then if they say human, then the Turing test, they, they passed it, yeah. And yeah. I think this chat, you know, it's getting very close. This chat GPT is getting very close to like passing the test. Obviously not because you use it in the UI, so a user interface that is obviously AI-ish, then you know that it's not a thing, but... I wonder how many people would know if they would like be talking to a chatbot and getting these like realistic replies because these are like really good. Honestly, if you do it like you said, like you get the response and then you ask again and this refines it, then I think I nobody could tell. Yeah. Yeah, I, we're getting I, mean, I couldn't tell. We're getting there. I mean it's crazy. I like for example, I asked this chatbot to write me uh, I think it's called haiku. You know, it's like these short Japanese poems. Yeah. They usually don't rhyme, but it's just like, it's a hard thing to write. So I asked it, hey, can you write me haiku for, uh, on business design? Yeah. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> design and business merge, innovation, growth, and profit, creating value. Beautiful. Yeah. It's three lines. Uh, I mean, it's a bit harder to maybe to do like, recite it like this but when you see it written it's like it makes sense like it's a it's a, it's a nice haiku yeah. and i've seen people like asking that one of our alumni asked uh, the this chat bot to write a poem on service design yeah I saw man that. it was really good <laughs> yeah it was impressive so should we jump into what ai uh, means for the design community and the business community yeah let's go get over the hype of chatbot and chat about bigger things so what do we usually do france for these podcasts we prepare a little bit right so we go online and yeah so do i but this time i felt like why don't i prepare by by actually asking the ai what does the ai think the future is so i basically just went on this chatbot and i asked him hey how do you think you will affect the future of design community <laughs> and then i asked it hey what do you think how will you affect the future of business and uh, it had some uh, interesting answers. So let's go through a few and then maybe we can also comment them. So for the future of design, it kind of focused on three buckets. One was automation of design tasks. The second one was, hey, this is going to help us improve the efficiency and productivity of design tasks. And the third one was, there's going to be some new design tools popping up. So in the first one, the automation of design tasks, it told me, AI power tools could be used to generate design concepts, create visualizations, or even produce finished designs. And this could reduce the need for designers to perform a certain routine task, allowing them to focus on more creative and strategic aspects of their work. Very positive, right? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't say something different than positive, I guess. Who? Chatbot. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. I mean, did I? that's no, a I good didn't. question. I didn't try like, to probe it. Yeah, maybe I should be more like, hey, what about the negative sides? Then maybe it would come up with something. But we did ask our alumni about it and they had more, I think, a negative view or at least like 
some had more bleakish view but so for example what i've heard was also that it could um and that's very interesting like it could erode the perceived value of design you know like we've been fighting for these yeah perceived higher value of design so what design brings to the table mm. and so on so now if there is a tool that makes it look like hey design is just a utility you can just go in there into this um, conversational UI and you can write, hey, can you create me a logo that looks more premium and it's similar to, I don't know, Gucci and whatever else. Uh, and this is the text and please make it a little bit more, maybe black and white, but with one strong color, whatever. And then it just creates like 10 versions for you. You know, that does, to someone who doesn't understand design, it does seem like a shortcut. Interesting point, um, because so in the beginning when you introduced what our alumni said about the topic, I actually didn't have the view that they that the outlook was bleak. Honestly, most of them uh, had a positive uh, view, yeah. But then we had also some people who yeah, because what that's what what was actually really surprising to me. I thought that people would say exactly what you said, right? So yeah, it's gonna devalue our craft. It's gonna bring i don't know it's gonna do similar things like fiverr did to like cheap and accessible and devaluing and so on um but what i found really interesting is that they said well that's just gonna be a, another tool so like things already made our lives easier so first we sketched on paper i don't know then we did then we got figma and that's super easy and figma is giving us much more um efficiency now we just get another tool that makes it more efficient for us and that can um, help us. So I think this is, a, as of now, an, an interesting view on, let's say, maybe the first steps of what we're heading towards. Mm. Um, because now maybe we're getting more into what we believe, but we, I think we like to believe that there is still value in uh, the deeper decisions behind something um, and that an AI maybe cannot like take these deeper decisions of um, like what exactly counts but maybe I'm wrong here one of the things AI told me <laughs> <laughs> listen to this Franz AI power tools could help designers to identify trends and patterns in the large data sets that for me was like what because one of the things that designers do really well is you take a lot of qualitative and quantitative data that looks very messy, that doesn't look connected, then you find a pattern in it. Mm. You know, it's one of those things that make you say, oh, this brand needs to be more expressive or no, it needs to be more, I don't know, toned down or whatever. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, this is a decision you, you still kind of expect a human to make and then maybe AI executes the design. But now, like... AI thinks that in the future AI will help us identify these trends and patterns which kind of goes into this like sense making aspect as well it's not just like hey do this for me at the end of the day um, but I think, I think David had a, like a more balanced view he said that um, this is just another example of the commoditization of design mm -hmm. and it's been happening for decades but the industry keeps on growing and adapting and yeah. designers are by nature like adaptive and we do think things through so yeah i mean it is scary right but 
I also think sometimes in the beginning when you don't really understand how powerful something is or isn't, you sometimes overestimate it, sometimes underestimate it. Maybe we're at the stage where we're like overestimating yep. what it can do for us. Yeah, that's what I, um, what was also a very interesting thing, a talking point uh, in uh, a podcast that I heard was that usually AI is overestimated when it comes to general generality of knowledge. Like let's say you tell them to do a design for a brand. So that's very general, right? So they would think about everything in this domain. True. And that's usually overestimated. What's usually underestimated is the power of a very small niche that this AI could do. So again, now we are at image recognition, for example. So if, I, if we go towards X-ray imaging, if an AI is well-trained, um, they can do the same job as, or almost the same job as a very uh, experienced doctor mm. in exactly this field. And in this case, only cancer recognition, for example. So if you would give the same AI a picture of a broken leg, they wouldn't do well. They wouldn't know what to do with mm. it. So this, um, as soon as there is a specific niche that you can train an AI towards, then it will do like awesome and, and very big things that usually get underestimated. But when we talk about more general uh, fields, then that's usually harder. As And I'm by no means an AI expert, but it's, sounds logical to me when i try to understand the system of i need to train the ai with information so it can make uh, so it can make decisions so the more specific this information is the better i can train so it does sound that it's somewhere in between you know that ais would help us would help us maybe they will commoditize like the lowest grade design work which is like fiverr ages do this for me i don't know a logo for five bucks um, but it would still, the value of strategic work, What it's, the thing we just discussed, you know, thinking about a branding, yeah. thinking about does this type of visual design fits in here? How do we do the wireframes to the actually fit into business model and so on? This may still need to be done by, by, by human or at least the direction yeah. uh, that design needs to take. But then a lot of these tasks that are maybe burdensome, we could just say, hey, just repeat this same um, or maybe just okay I'm just going to create one example and then I ask AI to maybe create 10 different variations of this yep. which is going to just improve productivity and uh, efficiency of design processes yep. which is frankly the same also for software development and many other things but absolutely I mean it comes back to the question again who can do which things best mm. and some things will be better done by AI because it's a repetitive task. And what is maybe now not a repetitive task that can be done by a computer may be one in the future. In the future. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I had a like this uh, thing of you can basically have a coworker AI that does the prep for you. And then in the end, you can basically finish up the task with your human brain that is the thing that makes a thing work or not. Um, that's an interesting thought because I read something about um, a chatbot that was created by, I think, Udacity. Maybe I think it was. So don't put me down on this. But it was Udacity who has a chatbot 
So Udacity courses, right? Mm -hmm. So they sell courses. They have loads of courses. Um, and they also have a chatbot, um, actually a live chat with people who you can just consult when you're unsure about the course. Mm -hmm. So they fed the um, answers from the people give from the previous chats to this um, AI and they combined it with success data. So who and which of these answers actually led to success and which of these answers led to rather like no conversion. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, AI basically learned what questions need which answers in order to convert the people who are asking them. But this is now not a direct chatbot that mm -hmm. you will talk to as soon as you have a, have a question for um, about um, Udacity. But this is basically something that is whispered into the sales or uh, staff's ear while they're having chats with, uh, with real people. So you're still chatting with um, a real person, but this real person gets assistance from a chatbot and tells them, look, if you get this question, yeah. then... I know that this would be an usually answer, the best, yeah. um, and you can still modify it, um, but it mm. has already worked. Yeah, there is a lot of people say that they don't like writing, but they are much better at editing. Yeah, like staring at a blank page, it's just it takes a lot of cognitive power to get from zero to one, and then a lot of people are good at like taking this one into a two or three, or like just making it better. Yeah, and. AI is really like interesting for this use case. Like, hey, can you prepare me a draft of this email? Mm. And then you can always, as a human, like have the final say because we always want to have the final say, right? <laughs> but also like it may not be great, the thing the AI wrote, but it's much better. Also, like if I take the intro that this chatbot prepared, like it's actually very close to the intro that we all usually have in the podcast. You know, like instead of me starting with zero, I can start with this and just slightly tweak it, yeah. maybe add one or two things, take something away from it, and it's done. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, I did ask some of my friends who yeah, also work in a business setup if they're already using these tools, and this was like the most common um, most common way. Yeah. So you're getting an email and then chatbot preparing like how they would answer them, and mm. then you jumping into... Uh, an email that already has a draft there. Yeah. Which I think is really cool use case. Are we ready to transfer to business? Uh, let me see. Because I have something that may be a bridge. I also have something that's a bridge, but uh, I can also talk about it later. So go ahead. So, thing is, so now we discussed this efficiency thing right or maybe collaboration of um, computer with uh, human mm -hmm. so interesting thing here for our design community may be that this might be a chance for us to go away from the time for money business model mm. so right now we all know that wireframing takes this and that time and research takes this and that time but maybe this and that time is just not true anymore so we can do things in a completely different way and we can use our valuable time for creating something much more meaningful so if we are now just saying okay now we can do things faster this means our jobs will be cheaper that is one version but maybe the other version could be that the whole business model can go towards value pricing because the outcome is still the same 
might yeah, even that applies be to better. agencies, right? And freelancers. Yeah. yeah. I think there's has been trend where many of them had like many designers, but not just designers, like freelancers in general try to use value-based pricing. Um the the trick was many times client didn't really know how much time it takes for a designer to create something. Now with this commoditization, the pressure could be on like, I know this is fast because you're using AI. But I think it doesn't change the whole perspective that, you know, you should pay for the value that you should be paid for the value that you're creating, not for the task. Yeah. Um, you know, but this also kind of goes into the educational aspect of things. So, sorry, did you want to go deeper into this? No, I'm because good. what's related to this is also education, design education. If you have these tools, AI tools, how will this change the way designers are being taught? Because right now I think it's a lot still, you go through the process of really trying to learn how to, you know, take circles and squares and uh, whatever else, lorem ipsum, and put it together in a wireframe. And it forces you to really think from zero, like from principles and starting with a blank sheet and Figma in a way. <laughs> but now, you know, you could just jumpstart this process maybe with something else. And that may change also the way designers are being taught and they're being... <laughs> developed slash produced in a way and i just wonder how this will have an effect also then on you if you haven't really gone through the process of um creating these mm. in the same way that somebody else had to go 10 years ago how will you judge what the ai gives you how yeah. will you judge the results that the ai puts in front of you then you have to choose mm. i think that's a very long shot you mean like it won't happen or i mean it might happen but it's a long shot then terms of as schools long adopting. as it, schools adopting but also like as long as there are teachers who haven't grown up with this system there will be right. nobody who says look nobody needs this anymore so so just yeah. look back in like why do we still do multiplication because i have a phone why so in this case the case is easy right it just helps you math math helps your brain develop your thought process mm -hmm. but then why do I still have to learn, I don't know, history? Well, history is important to understand what brought mankind to where it is. So as long as there are these arguments of why it's important to learn it from the basics and not just Google or use a right. uh, calculator, there will always be this kind of education, even if you will never have to do it, until it's not perceived as relevant anymore. True. I mean, I could go into this right now <laughs> because I have so many arguments about why history needs to be taught differently. Uh, and frankly, like many things need to be taught differently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yeah, in the age where we have access to all this information, do we need to teach people's history the same way? Like 12 years of just memorizing dates and stuff? But let's put this aside. And what I want to say is the reason teachers will need to adapt to this is because you give a student an essay and you will want to check if they did it themselves or AI did it. Because <laughs> I can see people already like, I'm 100% sure people are already using this to create essays for their schoolwork. I would be using this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I would just take, so if, I'm not, if, if my school is not in English-speaking region, I would just still use chatbot, but then 
translate yeah, yeah put it in google translate <laughs> and then just you know do the rest but if i'm Grammarly, english speaking then you're done. <laughs> <laughs> three tools or i would just move to uh, chatbot google translate grammarly <laughs> or relocate to the english speaking school yeah. yeah that's even easier maybe <laughs> it's like it's going to be a huge advantage that's one of the my like side side insights into this is how speaking the most dominant language in the world which is english just gives you access to all of these tools before anyone else like my parents who don't speak English that well or like almost not at all. Like yeah. they don't see these things and you just, it's like one of the most fundamental knowledges at this point is like speaking English. This is now going into my parenting <laughs> corner. But so for the future of business, I think this will touch education in the most fundamental way because teachers will need to think about new new ways to test. <laughs> and this is what they care about. But also maybe it will help them evaluate Uh, students work differently um, and yeah I think this is kind of really <laughs> the interesting thing is that we find out these things now while we're talking so imagine what else is possible so wow. I, we, obviously we did some research and we found some examples but now while talking about it for I don't know 25 minutes yeah. new things come to mind um, so true Okay, so now I think we already made a transition towards, I think one of the industries that hopefully will be affected the most is uh, medical, so like hospitals and stuff. Hear me out on this, because there's a lot of skeptics, but in, let's say you don't live in Austria, but I mean, France lives in Austria and Austria has phenomenal healthcare. But let's say you don't live in a country with a great healthcare. Sometimes you need to wait for weeks, if not months to get like, you know, checked or even talk to your general practitioner for the most basic stuff. You know, you call them because you want to go to a specialist and then you first need to go there, which like takes you two weeks and then they maybe give you an approval to visual the specialist. At least that's how it works here. And then this means it took like two to three months to actually until you get to the specialist you need to see. Um, I'm hopeful that something like AI could really transformed where we communicate with the gps so it's instant so you can just basically tell them your uh symptoms and maybe even if we have some kind of devices to actually measure like even at home just imagine some kind of a device where at home you could measure the most fundamental like signs and so on you could do most of the stuff that the gp does apart from talking. No, actually, even you could do the talking. You know, like elderly <laughs> sometimes go to the GP just to talk to them. Well, chatbot can do this even better. Um, so I'm really hopeful this could solve a lot of the issues because there is a huge shortage of doctors globally. Yeah. And that's why all, they, all these like waiting lines and things happen and people just die unnecessarily. But I see you being skeptical. So yeah, Fran, go ahead. And this is where... So I'm all up for human um, machine collaboration right mm -hmm. so everything where you get prepared like something prepares something for you and then you cross check and then you're you're done right so in medical terms there are these examples right i talked about um this um x-ray imaging yeah where like ai is just shown pictures and that's exactly doing what you said right so you give images to um, the AI and it will diagnose. And it's just much faster, much more efficient than if like then 
any person could do it. And even this system is more safe because as we said, some things are done better by humans and other things are done better by machines. Repetitive tasks are really ill-performed by humans. So if you as a doctor have a look at, I don't know how many images per day, let's say 100, you're going to get bored and you'll miss something. Yeah. AI won't do this. No. AI has one problem and that's false positive ones. So it will tell people that they have cancer where maybe that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So AI can also flag um, false images. False positive is better than false negative, Exactly. at least when it comes to cancer. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that um, in this case, there is actually a great collaboration again because AI will figure yeah. out the easy cases, the obvious cases. Um, it will flag the ones where it's um, not basically not um, not sure. Yeah. And yeah. then the problem with AI is false positives and these false positives, there will anyhow be a doctor because somebody needs to tell the patient. Exactly. And then they will still cross-check. So again, all up for that. But as soon as there is no interaction anymore, that's where I start to cringe a little bit. Mm-hmm. So as soon as AI has the final decision on something, like it drives my car. Let me play a devil's advocate on this. Like, have you ever um, had any like symptoms and just Googled it? I did. But no, I don't actually, tell me. Don't tell me then you you always visited the doctor as well. So what I'm trying to say is a lot of people are already doing it differently. Mm-hmm. So just Google it and then they see, oh, it's probably this. <sighs> I feel much better, right? And it's like... I think it's exactly the opposite. Ah, so you mean like now they feel worse? You Google it and then you see that this might be, I don't know, cancer. Okay. Because obviously, like obviously... Regardless, it's yeah. worse experience than yeah. actually having a more specialized... Google, <laughs> just for these things. And I think I agree with you in a, term, in, in a way that it shouldn't it probably, well, let's see, but it will in, not in the near future be completely uh, human-free, but at least the scalability mm. of the medical system, which is a huge issue, it's one of the biggest issues of our society, yeah. could be solved, like alleviated in a, in a, like, like, especially if you think about, I mean, and, and a lot of countries that are just not as rich uh, hopefully this AI won't be that expensive when it comes to the medtech. That's hopefully. But I mean, they will be the first ones to adopt it because they just can't find doctors. Yeah. So the thing all. is that I this is a little bit of an ethical issue here because in my opinion, every country should have great healthcare um, and they should be able to see a doctor. And now bringing up a solution that says, look, we're going to have a computer to do that. That just feels like we're betraying these people. But at the same time, I give you the point that we are just living in a world where it's just not the case that every country can have a decent healthcare system. And in this case, it can be a solution because yes, I would want to have, I would want everybody to be able to see a doctor, but if problems can be solved also by AI, then rather solve the problems than go after the best solution that's maybe not reachable. So again, we're back, in my opinion, on this. On the one hand, well, maybe this is a better solution for some uh, countries. And at the same time, 
even in the most developed countries, there are definitely decisions or tasks that machines can't just do better than humans. And that's going to be more and more. And I think healthcare is just a more, let's say, sensitive topic here. Uh, then I don't know if I would go into sorting cucumbers at a farm. We may be on a different side of spectrum because I would, frankly, many times prefer to be chatting with the medical AI doctor than with the real one. Because sometimes I just have a feeling like, you know, I'm just a sausage that has five minutes when you visit them and then you they need to go to the next one. And when you look at what they're trying to do is you give them symptoms and then they try to basically say what's the highest likelihood for like what is the likelihood that you have a certain illness and then they treat it and it basically they already created some kind of a algorithm for like treating okay this is the symptom and this is the symptom and this is the symptom this is the most likely likely illness so I maybe even on the side here that says that I think I would trust the AI more. Not at this stage, but over the long term, I think we should train them. And um, maybe now I'm talking more specifically about GPs, general practitioners, and maybe yeah. not specialists, and maybe not like this is not the best case for every illness. Um, but just in my mind, it's one of the most no-brainer things that 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 kind of needs to happen. But putting aside the medical <laughs> stuff, I think one of the things you brought up was the ethical issue. So this, in, in when I was thinking about applying this to the business case, um, the first thing that comes up is just like support, you know, chat. Mm. So you're chatting with a person and one of the, where the ethics come up is if a company is using a chatbot, I think the good practice is to tell the person that they're using a chatbot. They're not speaking to the human. But once the chatbot becomes so good, maybe even better. By the way, like I was in a chat, <laughs> I was in a chat with a human two days ago, and I had to wait for ten minutes to get those replies. So that's kind of the, the downside there. But but the chatbot was no good. The chatbot was just like useless in that case. But if the chatbot was was as good, should we tell people that they're talking to chatbot? Yes, right. In this case, I wouldn't care at all. I think now I'm on the other side of the spectrum <laughs> where I'm like, if now I'm having a conversation with a company, if this thing or person that I'm talking to is solving my problem, I don't mind who it is. Okay, then let's take it a step further. So let's say you're a school, you're mm -hmm. Harvard, right? And Harvard gets thousands and thousands of applications and then... A few chosen ones have an interview. So what if those interviews were not done by admissions office, but in Harvard AI that looks like Jessica, but it's actually just a Zoom call that looks like there's Jessica, but there's an AI. So the stakes are a little bit higher. Yeah. Do you care now? Mm, I mean, that's again, <laughs> this, now we're getting closer to the medical issue, right? Ah, okay, so okay, okay, okay. So it always, and this is, and now we're actually, we're full circle back again, where we discuss what do we want to, where is AI better than humans? Mm -hmm. And there is this one factual thing where AI is just better than humans as a fact. Repetitive tasks. Repetitive tasks yes. at the moment, but maybe in future even more. Um, and then there is also this ethical thing where you feel like, no, I want to talk to a person. Like if I'm talking about my health, 
I want to talk to a person. If I'm talking about investing, I don't know, 100K in my master's MBA at Harvard, then I want to talk to a person. And if I, yeah, so all these, like, as you said, stakes involved, that's currently still the case that we want human interaction. But, but I'm curious about how this changes as soon as we learn what AI can do. Because as of now, we just trust it less. Okay, so you're talking about health, you're talking about high-stakes interviews. You would put finance in the same bucket. Is, is that correct? So me telling, somebody telling me what to do with my money, is this something you would want to talk to uh, a real no. person or not? No. So that's different for you. Yeah, that's different because I know that monkeys do the same <laughs> quality of investment decisions than many professional bankers sorry about that <laughs> that offense somebody but okay because my argument would be that finance is another like topic that's yeah. very sensitive and emotional and there's a huge in industry like of robo advisors where it's not just very simple investment advice but they give you like they basically manage money for you mm -hmm. in a quite complicated manner and a lot of people trust them they have billions under under management so I see like, uh, for me, it's like very analogous taking this from one topic to another. I'm not, no, so I'm now not advocating for not having a personal application cause. Mm -hmm. I'm more now going back to the medical perspective. Yeah. And maybe my point is more like this. What is the thing that's high stakes or where you want the human interaction? It's maybe because of the assumption that they do. Is it because of the assumption they do better or is it because you want a human touch? Because in interviews, I think it's not because you want it to be better, because you, but because you want a human touch. I think that's a function of both now. I agree with you. So the first one is, I want human interaction, which is maybe just a fundamental human need. If I feel bad, I think I will be better off with human interaction, like talking about medicine. And the second piece in this function is, my trust in the ability of a machine doing the task. And for me personally, I trust maybe a machine more to make investment decisions than I try I trust a human, me personally. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a function of both. Okay, I see. And the thing is now coming back to, I don't know if we should even go there, but <laughs> let's just take the, um, pedestrian crossing example from self-driving cars. Everybody has heard about this, right? Self-driving car goes towards a pe pedestrian crossing. Mm. I don't know. A person crosses, car has to take a decision whether to jump off the road and kill the driver or keep driving and kill the pedestrian. Mm -hmm. So now here's just a question like there is no right decision, right? But there will have to be these decisions. And currently we feel like Let's rather use a human to make a wrong decision because every decision is wrong or then making a computer make the same decision. So yeah. I would rather kill myself. So I would rather kill <laughs> myself than be killed by machine. a machine. And I would rather, of course, I will not and I don't want to, but I would rather drive over a pedestrian then saying well my car drove over a pedestrian mm -hmm. so both of this is ugly yeah but still with these decisions we just want 
we don't want to give them to currently we don't want to give them to computers yeah well you opened a big big topic there but let's bring it back to business uh, <laughs> U-turn, <laughs> pun intended. Car also, pun intended. we need to wrap up because we need to pick up Maria at the um, train station. So we're just at the on-site with the team already. So, one of the things that came up in my research that I found really interesting is who's gonna who which company is this potentially gonna disrupt the most? You know what came up? Google. And then, like, I was looking at it first and didn't understand why. And then, you know, when I used the chatbot, I was like, oh, of course. It's just much more natural to ask a question and maybe a follow-up question and get a response that reads, like, a real response. And if anything, this could really affect Google. Google search engine. Google search engine. And uh, the, the, the consequence of this is SEO as a strategy, as a marketing strategy as well which is what many companies rely on. Interesting thought. Very interesting thought. And Google has invested in the AI space, but not in this particular technology that now everybody's screen using, like sharing the screenshots of, which is the, the let me check, chat GPT. Um, so this is basically their biggest existential threat. So you're saying... Well, actually, it's true, right? So we arrived at the hotel. Internet wasn't working, so I was went to I went to Google. Said, "What does the exclamation mark in my Wi-Fi symbol mean?" <laughs> yeah. So I would rather ask this somebody who replies in a sentence than somebody who gives me definitely. Um, I don't know. 370,000 pages of possible answers. And dude, I have to tell you, like I use this thing now a few days and it's pleasant. It's like, you do want to talk to it. You actually want to like, <laughs> I was asking things like, bot. yeah, I'm, I, I'm 100% sure there's going to be services about like you having a, this is a bit hard made, but like I can see it in Japan, like you having a girlfriend, like chatbot girlfriend. I mean, you should watch her, the movie. We talked about it earlier and it's yeah. basically the whole like it was supposed to be like a sci-fi doomsday scenario but i think it's definitely gonna happen now when i see how it's working because it's just so pleasant to use like it's like it's a conversation you do a follow-up they can be funny they get your joke and if you can even choose their like personality it's it's something it is something wow yeah, I didn't expect to be so impressed with it and I came away feeling like this is this was one of those like big moments like this is going to change a lot. And my an underlining thing was in terms of the business and in terms of also like how it applies to designers is if you're doing repetitive tasks you need to find a way to upskill and do something else yeah. because the repetitive tasks are going to be the first things that AI come after in design, in software development, in writing. I think the writing is already affected. Like, I mean, yeah, imaging too. Yeah. Have you seen this service where you can drop in like four or five of your profile photos and then it creates hundreds and then you can choose what you like? Yeah. I mean, you can do the same from um, text to picture. And no, so now instead of me going to the photographer... No, like imagine us as a team needing to have the same style of photos. 
So instead of us, we remote team, getting together, hiring a photographer, and all of these things, each of us just takes 10 photos, drop them in, and we just use the same instructions and we have the same looking photos. So now we're back at the topic of disruption. Photography. Yeah. Stock photos in general. Stock, oh, that's a good one, stock photos. I think we're rambling now. Yeah, we are. But I think it kind of just shows the point that this is a topic you should explore for yourself. Yeah. Just create a an account with uh, Chat GPT. Uh, it's a product from OpenAI. It's a company from San Francisco, which, well, they have to be jubilant right now. I'm very happy with how the things are going. And just just use it. I think it's it's time to get in to see, explore for yourself, ask questions, and I think from there you'll kind of get the feeling for what it can do for you and what it can replace from what you've been doing until now. And that's just my takeaway. Like for everyone, just to go and explore because this is it's huge. I think it's huge. Yeah, and to spin it positively, not only what is going to replace that you're currently doing, but also what it could do for you um do for you yeah exactly so that's a part right yep all right so for everyone who listened till now maybe you also want to check our uh mini mba so what we do is we explore the intersection of business and design and mini mba is our um seven day email course where over the course of seven days each day you get an email and you get thought a uh, a business uh, skill development for designers. So to sign up for this, head over to d.mba slash mini minus MBA. So thanks for listening and I guess see you soon or talk to you soon in a new podcast. Bye everyone. Bye-bye.